0: And welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy podcast on Thursday, the 1st of July, the first day of the second half of the year, and also, of course, the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party, uh, which was founded um, 1st July 1921 um, by Shen Zhu and Li Dahu. if i said that correctly, I probably haven't actually. Um, but yeah, it's a hundred years old. The Communist Chinese Party. Of course, it didn't really get going. I think, as we all know, until um, 1949, which is when the uh, People's Republic of China was formed. But uh, there you go. China now is a very important country in just about everything we do, isn't it, Phil? It is indeed. You are there. That's good. <laughs> I am.
1: I am. And good afternoon to you, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Anyway, whilst they're having their celebrations and uh, President Xi is uh, warning the rest of the world not to bully them, we're going to talk about what's going on in the tech and transitional energy space. And uh, probably there's quite a quite a few sort of results and things that have come out in the last week, which are maybe worth going through. Uh, I don't know if there's any of you particularly wish to start with Phil today.
1: No, but uh, no, you go for it, Andrew. And uh, let's let's see
0: uh well i'll tell you what, why don't we uh, funny enough just, we just come off a, a call with the chief executive going through their figures but we've um been talking with uh and they had their results this week Lampro, um where actually i thought the figures were pretty good there's, there's a a lot of change taking place at this company isn't there and they're splitting it sort of into three and the the reason they come into transitional energy is that they're obviously becoming pretty much one of the largest builders of jackets for wind farms in the world. They're in a really quite interesting place Um, and they also have a digital technology group and it's just the the old oil and gas bit which they you know they quite openly say they're looking to um, want to get rid of is the wrong phrase probably but um, split away from the main group. So they really are a transitional energy company. Um, They do again openly say that they need more capital um, but they're so open about it it's sort of getting priced in anyway it does appear that there are quite a few people who would be interested in this because they're in a pretty good position, aren't they, Phil?
1: Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, they are well established in the in the oil and gas industry and working with um, all the majors. I mean, supplying supplying equipment into that industry. So, you know, that 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 side of the business, they're looking. Yeah, you're right. They're looking at uh, they're looking at corporate options on on things, and that would probably prove to be very attractive to to certain players in the industry. And then they they have on the renewable energy side you say it's the jackets uh, for wind turbines. I and mean, these are the structures that sit on the seabed and the turbine basically sits on top for the want of a better word. But these are heavy steel, specially engineered structures that they develop. And of course, the market opportunity, the scale, of that, they were discussing the scale of that uh, market with us. I mean, it's, in, it's incredibly um, large. They were saying that they, there's a project pipeline uh, that's been identified globally of 435 projects to 2030, 23,000 foundation infrastructures. My God, you know, quite quite astonishing. Yeah, it
0: is, and, and you know, Lambrella is a 170 million sterling market cap company, so about 250 million dollars. You know, actually, for this sort of industry and what's going on, that, that's really very very small. Um, probably somebody will either take them out or certainly come in as a a sort of a sugar daddy and help look after them, I think. Um, And actually, although they have a very strong Middle Eastern focus, in my view, there's there's some big uh, Korean and Asian players, ex-China, that are are big into this space, aren't there? And actually, the other one is, of course, the whole wind farm industry, particularly on the east coast of America, is about to go explosive. And yet there's nobody out there really who does this. So an American could easily come in and say, actually, we'll do something here. In fact, you could even see private equity because you could actually structure the returns with your debt package. Private equity could come in and take this out, couldn't they?
1: There's, there's always that potential. Um, yeah, look, I, I just think, that, I thought that was really, really uh, interesting. And that, you know, it, it's it, if, to find companies that have got market opportunity like this and also they have in there as well um some very interesting technology involving sensors that can sense the uh, what's happening to the the steel the you know the structures as they're in the sea and under sea conditions and it allows the you know operators to modify turbine behavior depending on on conditions, and that extends the life of turbines of course these are hugely expensive assets massively expensive to replace, and that has that has value itself the tech has value itself so yeah, so you know shares share price down today, flight to capital raising but but certainly seem to be a number of options in there for them
0: mm. i mean I think again it's it's interesting talking of um the Middle East where they have very strong relationships. I don't know if you've, I mean, we haven't really talked about how much you looked at it, but have you ever looked at, I'm sure you've looked at it, Phil, but Neon City, which has been built in Saudi Arabia, which is basically an entirely renewable city, and you could think, well, why on earth are the, the Saudis doing that when they've got more oil than they, they know what to do with? But of course, it's their way of, of demonstrating how they can also embrace a whole renewable energy situation. And that the, the big Saudi fund, the PIF, if you look at their website, um, they openly talk about um, trying to put money into renewable energy companies um, alongside a lot of other things. Um, and so actually, the Saudis are, are very interested in, interested in this space. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it may surprise people for a country that obviously has, has for want of a better word, um, built its future, or sorry, built its past future, whatever you want to call it, um on oil um they're, they're both websites well worth having a look at at, at actually it's, it's fascinating and you know how saudi will move from an oil-based economy into a renewable energy country will i think be be very telling and, and quite fascinating and i'm not sure anybody really knows uh, if anybody does know could they give me a call actually because i'd be fascinated
1: yeah but it's Look, it's the scale of what they're doing, on, and on a very, very focused, enormous project, which will give them, you know, loads of opportunity to test out you know, technologies, you know, renewable energy systems, just how a whole city can undergo a transition. I,
0: uh, I love the concept of
1: energy. Energy. just building
0: an entirely renewable. City. I mean, it would be great if instead of the next Milton Keynes we build, maybe, or we took a, a city in the UK and we just tried to turn it entirely renewable. Um, you know, we've obviously have discussed that a bit in the past because you know, it, it, but it, it's fascinating to try and build one if you see what I mean. And starting from scratch, what you would put in because that does give you, a, I think, a vision of the future.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing.
0: Anyway, um, there you go. Slight red arrows on that one. Um, uh, Other, other, Actually I'll tell you some other um, figures. Well actually we should talk about Invinity Energy Systems because they actually produced their full results uh, this week. Um, Actually the results really were pointless. I mean they really produced them about a month ago but the auditors wouldn't let them sign it off for about another month whilst they went through every single line and basically said this and that. Um, So no one was really interested but they did actually produce them. Actually the stock really hasn't performance, sadly, which I find very disappointing. I mean, the stock price is actually lower than it was when we announced the the uh, joint development programme with Siemens Gamesa, which I find staggering. But that's stock markets for you, I guess. Um, I, I'm still very happy the way things are going. Um, I think the company seems to be very happy the way things are going. It's just the stock market. Very strange. Not much we can do about that, I don't think
1: well Tom, look Tom this is we'd better just flag this is a client of a client of ours, particularly as IES and um, it's fanadian flow battery uh, technology and it's look it, it's it's a newer type of technology and, and as we know with newer types of technology they take time to develop and they take time to gain commercial traction um but but with this particular uh, company what's what's been very interesting and always you know i love to see in technology companies is it's attracted you know a a, a super multinational um joint development party you know in in siemens games which um you know which i think helps very much support the technology they've got but these things do take time to evolve and um you know it requires markets and investor patience
0: uh it certainly is
1: um elsewhere we had dixon
0: carphone results uh which looked pretty good um but what caught my eye was that they said electrical online sales growth was at 103 percent i mean some of the numbers are just extraordinary aren't
1: they i read i read that isn't that amazing and they were doing um sort of so they got you know obviously dixon's car phone own uh curries and they were doing uh you know, during a lockdown click and collect so they you just turn up at those massive stores, which are shop with their folks outside, order your kit online and go and collect it. I mean I, I do love the way that they, you know, they and a number of these big retail operations very quickly adapted their business and of course now are sticking with it. You know, the classic multi-channel, but look at the growth in it. Yeah.
0: 103%. Very impressive. Um,
1: actually on the same
0: day, which was yesterday, we had results from another company actually. Powerhouse Energy, do you look at those ones? Uh, not closely, but I'm aware yeah. of- <laughs> don't, hey. don't have to. I'll tell you what, I'm going to be, this is one of my naughty ones, I'm probably going into trouble here. But I mean, at the moment, for some reason, the market seems to love these waste-to-energy companies, even though I don't think one has ever been successful. Um, but Powerhouse Energy has a market cap of nearly 200 million pounds. Uh, the results came in, uh, and they were very pleased to be able to report that they actually had done 100,000 pounds worth of revenue but they made a £15 million loss. <laughs> and they're worth £200 million.
1: <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> um,
0: Well, oh, I I'm sure in those results, they
1: highlighted did they highlight opportunities and contracts and everything. So there might have been an element to that in it. That's...
0: Well, I can tell you, in order to find out what the revenue and the, 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 the loss was, you had to scroll down about 10 pages because they certainly didn't talk about it in the first 10. Um, As you say, they talked about a lot of, other things i mean i think the other problem is you know if you have a look at the share register um of this company you will find actually that a quarter of it is owned basically by the white family and there are absolutely zero institutions on the share register which is always somewhat telling i personally find um about a company and its prospects anyway i'm sure it's a very good company and. I'm probably just commenting upon the valuation, not about their capabilities. Just say that in case a lawyer wants to come and have a chat with me. Very good company, just perhaps overvalued. <laughs> um, what else, Phil?
1: Have you spotted anything? Right, um yeah, I have actually. So I'll just uh, quickly go through mine. Let's get on to, um, did you see that Gresham House Energy Storage Fund, ticker is GRID, uh, and they invest in utility-scale battery energy storage systems, and they've just said that uh, they they signed contracts for acquisition of uh, 425 megawatts of projects from Gresham House, Devco, part of it. Um, but basically, what you know what's interesting about this is it's a very focused investment fund. It's grid energy storage, um, and they've now got a pipeline of, of 1.2 gigawatts of operational assets. I mean that's that's real real scale. So. You know, if you're looking at uh, investing in the, the transitional space, the funds like this that are quite focused are very interesting to, uh, to look at, I think.
0: Yeah, look, you can get a nice, what I describe as utility type return because they, they you know, pay dividends and you get a good yield and, you know, um, it's not too bad. I mean, the one thing that worries me slightly is that obviously they're putting in all of this new battery storage. It's all lithium ion, but it's all new. And the question is, you know, you're obviously buying into a fund that should have a, a you know, 25 year life, but these batteries won't last 25 years. I also noticed in fact, someone very kindly sent me the link. So thank you very much to whoever it was that sent it to me. Um, that in China they are banning the recycling basically of, of the batteries to be used again in battery storage because they're too damn dangerous. Um, and we also know that um, there's been a real problem in California with when it gets hot and take my word, it's bloody hot over there at the moment. Uh, British Columbia, which actually is Canada. So I think I, I do know my geography uh, up at 50 degrees. Oh, um, yeah. The lithium ion batteries are exploding. Um, so you do just, you know, a slight cautionary note there. Um,
1: it, it's not all plain sailing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: no, nope. no that's very true and that's why you know flow batteries are seen as a as a complementary option and also sometimes as a, as an alternative but um but i think the you know just getting back to gresham house it's the the scale of investment now that's going into battery tech particularly related to the to the grid and you know just reflecting the overall uh, transition that's happening in terms of energy supplies yeah yeah so also, just on the tech front and, and keeping on funds and, and funds that investors might be holding, did you see that Polar Capital Holdings uh, had their four-year results as well? I no, didn't, Pol- no. Yeah, oh, well, Polar Cap, I remember visiting this fund uh, back in 2000, there you go, dot-com boomer, when it was being, you know, when it was originally being set up um, at the time, you know, a focused technology fund, and today you look at those results and, uh, you know, tech is, 49% of their holdings, but uh, it, has, it has grown, um, and they reported their assets under management up 71% to 20.9 billion pounds. Um, yeah, and the average assets up 18% over the year, so uh, or, you know a reflection there of 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 their um, you know their intelligence in terms of how they invest, um, and also the technology markets themselves. Uh, But a super set of results uh, there for Polar Capital.
0: Polar has been been very successful. Actually, my my daughter who is 25, her her godfather was one of the first fund managers that went round to Polar. He's actually dare I say it, retired now off his Polar wealth. just enjoys himself, but yeah, and no, that's been a very successful firm. And, and talking to results, actually, we should mention that Samacand, which is also a client of ours, which is the e-commerce platform into China for beauty and health brands. Uh, they had their results this Monday. Um, I think that you moderately ahead of expectations, which is fine because we only just floated them, so it's difficult to do much more to be honest with you. Um, so it's all fine, all ticking along nicely. In fact, the price has been going up in the last this week. And now at 178p we floated them at 115p so yeah just sort of a tick in the box Wait for more news to come along
1: yeah that's right it was a yeah that's right it was a trading update wasn't it so yeah we'll wait and see the full published purchase. oh yeah it was a trading update it was yeah. fully trading update wasn't it i do apologize
0: the results are going to come out later i think at the beginning of august or aren't they yeah
1: yeah and they uh, yeah the ticker on that is uh, smk and as i say they are they are a client but uh, yeah that's nicely up since the ipo andrew very very good i also Bob, i was with um I know in the last
0: last week's podcast I said that I was going to do a, a, a podcast with Dan Blondal of, of uh, Nano One. Uh, I have done it and it's it's out there and uh, I know a lot of people have been listening to it. It's it's actually had um, I was going to say hundreds of listens. I think it's had thousands of listens actually. Uh, and it's uh, it's an incredible story. And to me, this is the the arm of the battery world. Um, they have basically found ways to improve the cathode for pretty much any battery. Um, significantly and also reduce the amount of cobalt that's required through their one pot system uh, and that is a uh, not anything to do with cookery I can assure you um, if you haven't listened to that podcast do listen to it just because it is a fascinating company um, I also saw that this week it was written up in Forbes magazine as sort of is this the next big big thing um, it is a really fascinating company um, uh, and actually, off the back of that, we, we had a little chat, didn't we, um, Phil, about why it is that um, everybody's always talking about, you know, cathodes. We never talk about anodes. And of course, everybody knows that there are two ends to a battery. <laughs> <laughs> and um, But, of course, the reason is, isn't it, is that the problem with the anode is it's basically just graphite. It's not quite as simple as that, but that's the problem. It's much simpler, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes, it, it, it is. And yet, there are, you know, there are tech... Well, you know there's investment going into anode development as well and there are a number of companies uh that are looking at um putting you know an amount of silicon into the anodes because silicon will hold more more lithium lithium ions but there are issues in the anode will expand if there's more silicon in it and, and that can lead to structural defects so there you are know, lots of r d's being put into into that as well in terms of anode development
0: yeah i mean there's um Sorry, the name of the company slipped my mind. You may have actually prompt me, but IP Group have got a holding in a company that pretty much specializes
1: in anodes, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. I think it's Nexion. Was it Nexion? We that's were... the one. Yeah, that's the one. I knew you were mining. Yeah, yeah. Private, a private company. And just to, just before we forget, of course, is the, you know, your podcast was, uh, you know, talked in depth with Nana one about the joint development relationship that they have signed with Johnson Matthews. Johnson Matthews. Yeah. Well, you
0: know what? I still cannot understand why the stock market is not rewarding Johnson Matty for um, what it's done. You know, the stock price is still just over 31 pounds. I think it should be closer to 40 at the moment. That's a fantastic joint development they've done. Again, listen to the podcast, you'll understand it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, as we you know, we said it takes. We sometimes with these, you know. These these brilliant opportunities, you know, the stories of the future in terms of the tech. It does take time for it to sink in with the markets and to rec- you know, for them to recognise uh the opportunity. And it can take patience, you know, patience for these things to to develop over time. But my word, there are opportunities to go for.
0: Mm. Talking talking of people pointing things out to us, by the way, which we really do appreciate. Uh, somebody else pointed out to me, I think it was this morning, that on LinkedIn eSmart Energy is trying to recruit more people than you can imagine. Uh, eSmart Energy obviously being owned by Nexus Infrastructure, which we've talked a lot about on this podcast. I won't say any more on that particularly, but clearly, you know, where people are are recruiting in such high numbers, it probably means their business is expanding like I don't know what. Um, and so it probably feels as though that's good news for the Nexus Infrastructure. But thank yep. you to the the, uh, the gentleman that pointed that out to me as well.
1: Yeah, it, it may well be. And oh yeah, I'm, I always go straight. You know, if you're looking at companies is I always look at the, the website and the opportunities because it's a sure sign. And then you look at the areas that they're actually recruiting in as well in terms of the business and you can get a feel for how they're investing in their, you know, they are investing in the business. Yeah, yep,
0: yep, yep, yep,
1: <laughs> there
0: go. Um. OK. Um, anything else you saw? Oh, there was some news out today, wasn't there, from SSE, which is a stock that just perplexes me. I can't deny the fact I own it in my SIP. Um, I think it's extraordinarily cheap. It never seems to go anywhere. It sort of gets linked into sort of indexing bonds or something. But they announced today that they've got a new business plan for their SSEN n or something. Um, if anybody can understand it better than me, then please do. But there was a bit of news there. Yeah. Um, Actually, the stock's just going sideways at the moment. It's about 15 quid, and probably about 15 quid in a year's time. But it does yield, and I'm going to get the yield correct this time, because somebody corrected me the other day, because our our, um, our data systems are not up to speed with dividend cuts, obviously. But it's got a yield of a, just over around 5%, I think it is. Um, and if I put it wrong again, please don't criticize me <laughs> too much. But what it isn't, it isn't a yield of, of uh, 7%. I think it's a yield of about 5.4%. Um, So, actually, if it goes nowhere and you get 5.4% yield, you're still beating what you'd get if it was putting your money in the bank account. Whether you're beating inflation or not, that's another question, but we we will know about that in the future.
1: That's absolutely correct and appropriate timing. (laughs) Did you see that the uh, Bank of England's chief economist, Andy Haldane, was uh, saying that we are risking inflation as high as 4% this year? So, (laughs) you... There you go, but but inflation. I mean, obviously, something we watch very very closely is it's it's a mixed picture and it's hard to tell. I mean, we're coming out of an economic slowdown globally. Um, that means you know uh, demand is going up, people are restocking, and and that will you know that has its own effect on driving prices. Oil prices going up, so you know we've got to see how it how it pans out.
0: Yeah, I mean, bond yields have actually been coming off this week. Um... UK government 10-year bond yields are down to 0.72. So actually, the the bond market is telling you we're going to get away with it and interest rates aren't going up. And the bond market is normally pretty good at getting it right. And, you know, commodity prices have actually come off quite a bit in the last couple of weeks or so, Um, just because they got so high that, you know, it did dampen down consumer spending. Um, So, you know, who knows? We will see. We will, but
1: we'll um, continue to track it. Yeah. What else you got? You got any else, uh, Phil? Oh look, I have. I can't miss the Nissan announcement. Oh, yes, yes, that's a good one, that isn't it? Yeah. Uh, how could we? That I mean, look, that's great news for the UK. Um, that Nissan's going to—they're uh, looking for a big expansion battery production in in Sunderland. They are going to build a gigafactory um, to build batteries for EVs. And look, strategically, that's hugely important for, for us as a nation. It's, you know, automotive is a very, very important industry. It creates real value-added jobs. Um, and with the, you know, the transaction, the, the electrification of automotive, currently most of our production capacity, you know, all of it is, is, is ice, it's petrol and diesel. Um, and so to see this type of investment is super. Um, and, and it's a nice flag for others who might be considering uh, locating their plants here.
0: Uh, yeah, look, it's sort of a little bit of vindication as well for, um, you know, the geopolitical environment. I'm not going to get into a debate on it. Um, but the fact that, you know, someone as, as big as Nissan has decided to invest in the UK shows that the UK is not not closed for business. It's very open for business. Actually, I mean, Europe itself has, it has a lot of EV investment going in and gigafactory investment going in as well. So both the UK and Europe, we are part of Europe, actually, should I should say the EU. Um, Uh, are doing well. And actually, I think what is happening, I mean, clearly China had the lead, you know, for probably 20 years. Actually, Europe has probably overtaken the US now. I mean, Tesla is a bit of a one off. But I I sense that, yeah, Europe as a whole, so that's the EU and the UK, are are overtaking America in terms of the whole EV process now, the whole transitional energy process now, really starting to accelerate fast, um, which is, is great
1: news, actually. It it is. It's really exciting and hopefully it will create uh, create opportunities for investors.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've got nothing else because we are now, shall I say, in the summer season, I think, now that we're in July and August, they're going to be pretty quiet. Uh, Certainly, it's much quieter in stock market terms. A lot of the the punters have gone away. Uh, Even the fund managers uh, are taking a break. Um, So, unless you've got anything else, we'll call it a day, shall we? All right.
1: Superb. Will do.
0: Very good, and we'll we'll do one next week. But I'll actually be doing it from my house in Cornwall because I'm going to spend July down in Cornwall, just um, letting my brain do a bit of a control up, delete, and um, <laughs> refresh itself. Or well, just make sure you reboot. <laughs> I'll do that on the golf course. Very good, Phil. Speak to you next week.
1: Okay, we'll do, Andrew.